survive the season? Will this be my goodbye? Is there no rhyme or reason for who gets to live or die? Will I survive this season? Reap all that I have sown. Who will survive the game of thrones? I dream of ruling Welcome to Wednesday in Westeros. I'm Taylor Trask. And I am Todd A. And we're doing oh, a show. I did it again, man. Uh, my do? goal to myself is not to say my name with a question mark at the end of it. <laughs> I'm Todd A. Period. I'm Todd A. <laughs> I'm Todd I've never, A. I've never noticed that, but you're so right. <laughs> Every time I listen back to our podcast, I'm uh, kicking myself. So, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm Todd A. Damn it. <laughs> Proceed. Just... All right, one more time. Here we go. Welcome to Wednesday in Westeros. <laughs> I gotta stop laughing. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday in Westeros. I'm Taylor Trask, and I'm Todd A. And uh, we are here uh, on a we- uh, no. We're still it's still Tuesday. It's not Wednesday yet. We're it's almost Wednesday. We're recording this kind of late on a Tuesday because you are moving or have moved to California. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm either uh, you know one of those nomad adventurers. Um, that everyone should be envious of, or I'm like the dumbest person that you know. <laughs> so it's just, there's Pretty no gray area for me. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a, it's been a... Some would call him a wise man, others a fool. Yeah, others, <laughs> yeah there's so. probably no wise, it's just degrees of foolhardiness with me. Um, you know, a healthy dose of foolhardiness goes a long way, though. Can't fault you. Yeah, I'm, I, think I'm, I think I'm outgrowing that, but uh, I... I I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that as a po- as positive feedback and roll with it. It's it's been it has been a uh, a rough week to schedule for sure. For sure. So, well, you did have time to watch it, as we were just I, discussing. Yes, we did watch the episode. And uh, I don't know about it, you, it, but man, it was pretty good. I mean, it was okay. Oh goodness gracious! I, <laughs> I just watched wish this some thing. stuff had happened. <laughs> I watched this thing and I laughed. I cried. I immediately texted you, going. Yeah, I, I, my, I, my hands were almost shaking. I couldn't even text you. I was just like, what? what is, I mean, this is like, the, the, it was, for me, bar none, the greatest episode they have ever done uh, to I, date. I'm hard-pressed to contradict that. I mean, I, there's nothing that just jumps to mind where I'm like, oh, but, you know, what about the Ned's Head episode? Because there have been many great moments mm-hmm. through every season, but this was prop... I mean... There are the big battle episodes yeah. uh, in which I'm engaged the whole time. Oh, yeah, me too. But this one had tons of scenes, and I was riveted through every one of them. Exactly. Yeah. There wasn't a single second of story wasted for right. any reason. Like, then that's and just it's it. like, like, damn it, do that every week. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's, it, it's kind of fun, too, because this season has been going along at a nice, steady clip. Like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden they drop this on us. And this is only, what, episode five? This isn't even the, the Ned's Head episode. This is just halfway through. And then they yeah. give us this. Where, I, mean, where are they, I, I worry in that maybe they blew their wad too soon. <laughs> and this is, it's all downhill from here. Or maybe this is like another brick on the wall. And it's like, wait till you guys see next week. Like, what if... Well. I mean, <laughs> you know, but uh, like so, a couple episodes ago, I, I I talked about how look, it looks like we're going to see two big battles this season. We're going to see the battle of the bastards, yeah. um, the two snows armies fighting each other, 
which will probably be like the hard home, the you know the uh, Battle of Blackwater Bay, like one of those, n- either the ninth episode or something. Yeah. If it ha- <clears throat> if it happens, and then second battle I thought would happen is when the Terrell army confronts the Faith Militant, and I can't. I I think you your prediction was we're not going to see the Battle of the Bastards this season. Oh no, I never said that. I I, I am not convinced we're going to see anything from the Terrells. Oh, you I just don't, don't think that's going to be a big battle. No, I don't think it's going to be anything. I think it's going to be a, you know, they'll bring all the soldiers in and there's going to be some other thing that happens right. that shuts that down pretty quick. Um, well, it's I in just, the previews for next week. Yeah, the, yeah, the, we're so, going to see. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love for there to be there to be some kind of, you know, it'd be fun for the the Lannisters to have, you know, something up their sleeve. I just I think they're so beaten down. But this brings up a great point. Just saying the word Lannisters reminds me. You know, we talk about every second of this episode. This this most recent episode wasn't wasted. And guess what? Every second was not about the Lannisters or King's Landing. King's Landing didn't appear once. Yeah. And it was the most compelling episode they've ever done, which says a lot about where King's Landing is right now. You know, it's just how little it matters in the overall scheme of things in terms of the story and the characters and what they're building. Yeah, well, I, um, you had a really good flow for what we should talk about, yeah. but just bringing up the Lannisters first makes me think um, maybe the first thing we jump into is is the Arya scene from this week. Yeah, we can. Because, well, you say that. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I say that because... That I mean, even though I was there was no moment where I was sort of bored or, you know, hating the exposition going on, it was exposition. You know, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, right, we they could have cut it out and I wouldn't have missed it. Are we talking about the whole scene or just the play? The play within the play, as it was. The pl- oh, the no, the play I thought was great. Uh, it was the um, the Jockin interactions and the waif. A, like another ass kicking from the wave. Okay, so I'm I am I'm on the opposite side of the fence here. Really? I had the same yeah, I had the same argument with somebody on IO9 who's like, yeah, it was all great, but that Arya stuff was just boring as shit. I'm like, it it would be were it not for one or two crucial points. Um, one, watch the way Jack and Hagar behaves and acts during that entire sequence. It really struck me more than it has ever before. And I think this was intentional. I hope it was intentional. It struck me more than ever before. Jack and Hagar now is 180 degrees away from where he was when we first met him in season two. He's not the sort of mysterious, swashbuckling, charismatic guy he was. He's like Peter Gibbons in Office Space. He's like, he's just going through the motions. He's just going through the drudgery. And I feel like this is his real life, right? Like this is, we haven't seen him be a faceless man Maybe, I mean, he kind of was when he was teaching Arya a lesson last year, you know, when, like, he and the Wave kind of kept changing faces and shit. But, like, otherwise he hasn't been, like, Master Assassin Jack and Hagar. Like, he, he's just been kind of moping around the, the house teaching Arya. And his demeanor, his tone, his presence is one of, like, just is just dour, right? And so when he comes and when he shows up after the Wave's kicking Arya's ass, and we get a little glimpse that, you know, Arya's improving. But what's important is when you see Jack, and he almost looks just kind of like... He looks a little concerned, a little bored. Like there's there's more going on there. And then when he takes Ari out and he get, you know he gives her the exposition of you know this is why the faceless men exist. Um, it's a little underwhelming. You're like that's that's really it. That's how the faceless men started. Um, that's not that's not much. And I, I think again that might have been intentional because it just kind of it all went to kind of show you like Jack and Hagar's life is not some you know wonderful 
I'll say swashbuckling again, like, you know, 4A. It's, it is, it's just kind of this drudgery where he, they kill people, good and bad, and this is what it is. And I'm going to go one step further. I think, or, or rather, uh, unlike a lot of fan theories out there, I don't think the Faceless Men were targeting Arya from the very beginning. That seems to be a predominant theory. I think her and Jacken's encounter was purely coincidental, and I think what Jacken sees in her is a chaotic element. They have, as he pointed out, they have never had a lord or lady uh, yeah. be a be a faceless man before. Arya's got a lot of like, you know, a lot of piss and vinegar that they keep trying to beat out of her, and she's betrayed them already really early on. You know, she's kind of jumped out on her own. I think he sees her as kind of a disruptive element that will sh- either end his vow, quote unquote, or shake up the faceless men, you know, corporation, so that he can actually feel alive again. I just I look at him and how he behaves. And I'm like, this is not the same dude we met in season two at all. Well, that's that's an interesting note because, of course, in the books, Jack and Agar is never seen again, mm-hmm. um, and Arya is instructed in the uh, House of Black and White by some other dude. And it's never revealed or hinted that that guy might be Jack and Hagar. I mean, who who knows? <laughs> I, well, I wonder. Here's a different question too, and this is this is good for book book people like yourself because I I maybe there's some other context here I'm not aware of. I I look at Jack and Hagar and like the last two seasons, maybe even the last three seasons, he has been basically this the entire time. What the hell was he doing in Westeros to begin with? And more importantly, why was he captured? This is a guy who has proven again and again he is more stealthy and more more skilled than anybody else. Like this is a dude who would not be. There's no reason for him to get captured. Why was he captured? Why was he in Westeros? And all of a sudden, and, and more importantly, why was he like thrown out his name to Arya? Like, hey, I, I'm a man, but you can call me Jack and Hagar. Like, what? It, it's like, and maybe it's just lazy writing. Maybe they're like, this is what he is now, and we're just not going to retcon anything. Um, but right. I, I'd love to feel like there's more going on here, and I just I'm going to cling to that until I'm proven otherwise. Well, I mean, I think that's what's driving those fan theories. But um, to me, it's just kind of the butterfly effect of like they, you know, they he was a swashbuckling, you know, interesting character. And they thought we'll just do a swap and put him in the role of whatever this guy's name is. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they did that, it was like, well, <laughs> now he's got to be sort of the, you know, he's he's got to be this. I don't know, this dour, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't. What do you, what do you want to call him? He's not a priest, but he's Mopey something McMoster. like that. You know, I, I was just calling Mopey McMoperson. Sure. Yeah. And Reverend so Mopey. he's. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's it's totally the opposite of what we liked about Jock and Hagar at first. Yeah. So. Again, but just watch out. Okay, watch. And here's more. Here's something else that's interesting to think about. The Waif, as much as I hate her as a character, um, you watch her interactions with Arya, it's clear there's something going on where the Waif either was, as, as a person, um, betrayed by House Stark at some point or betrayed by a lord and lady and has this huge grudge that she's taking out on Arya, which is interesting because every time she plays into that as a character, she becomes less and less, quote-unquote, no one herself. Right. Right? I, yeah. And it's like Jack and, you know, comes around the corner, and I feel like, watch the way he reacts to that scene when he sees Arya and the Waif kind of finishing their fight. Like, he looks like, he looks kind of disappointed and concerned. Like, maybe it's, maybe I read too much into it, but he looks, he looks like he shouldn't, right? He looks like something's wrong. And I want to feel like it's the Waif breaking down, like she's break, she's losing her, her you know, uh, faceless man sort of training because yeah. Arya keeps bringing that out in her. Um and then it begs the question: Why is he putting them together so much? Is I, 
I don't feel like there's anything that goes on in the House of Black and White that's not intentional. And this takes us to the quote-unquote play within a play. I, I'm, I know for sure Jack and Hagar knew what that play was going to be, oh, knew yeah. what it was going to show Arya. I feel like the, the chick and the, the, the actress that she's supposed to kill is just a red herring. I think he's trying to push her buttons. Again, he's wanting that chaotic element, and he's pushing hmm. her buttons. He's like, I'm going to send her to this play. I'm going to tell her she's going to kill this person, but she's going to see this farce about her family and get even more riled up. Well, that's um, really interesting theory because, um, see, I was taking it as like, finally this episode we get a little bit of the reason why the waif is so viciously beating Arya every time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we finally got the animus behind that you know what like she she does hate that she's a royalty you know or yeah. whatever she whatever whatever you call it highborn um but if you're talking about this chaotic element you know then jockin's probably pulling the strings with the waif too yeah. and he knows that that's what's going to you know to push her uh to drop her no one mask you know yeah. like yeah. have her train aria because that's really what bugs the shit out of her is yeah. is uh, highborn Boards and ladies. So I just I, I like feeling because Jack and Hagar has been so kick ass this whole time. I like feeling that he's like a tenth level grandmaster of chess and yeah. that this is all just you know, he's got games within games being played right now. And we're in the house of black and white for God's sake. So it's like, of course, there's nothing is as it seems. It's like you know those CIA movies where like, you know, they're always like, you know, nothing is as it seems and everything gets and we're gonna have there's gonna be some big reveal coming where he's like, This is what our real mission's been. Um, yeah. I did sort of get a play of that, too, and, um, you know, I I don't know, I'll I'll just be disappointed if he doesn't just throw off that Jedi cloak one one day and, you know, like, not be in the armor or whatever. And he may Um, not. I mean, it may just be one of those things that they're they're so busy with all these other kick-ass moments that they've just sort of neglected him and he's just going to die a boring death. Um, Yeah. I hope not, but, you know, here we are. What did you think of the the quote-unquote play within a play, as I call it? I, I loved it, and I have to crib someone else's uh, words about it um, that I <clears throat> I forgot where I read this, but you know I just thought they nailed it where it was showing Arya that her view of her father's death was not the only view. Yeah. You know, like that was that was such a clever way to show it and sh- like show Arya like you know you're. You're not the good guys in the rest of the world. <laughs> well, and her view you know, is our view too. You know, like we've right, seen it through exactly, her eyes, so exactly. you know, we have a different context now too. It's cool to see how Esteros looks at Westeros as kind of like this joke. Like yeah. you know, nobody. It's not like only Ned Stark was portrayed poorly. Like everybody in that thing was portrayed very un. You know, not well, very flat. Yeah, I guess what was so interesting was that, um, and Essos, I mean, Essos, I, I, don't, I don't mean to correct, but no, I, no, you know, do. unless, I, I unless we get a hateful online. comment or something, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and I, I, I don't know if Bravos is technically part of Essos, but anyway, um, uh, <laughs> it was it was funny to see how the Lannister characters uh mirrored what we already thought of the Lannisters, you know, mm-hmm. like to us that was like sort of understandable parody yeah. but then, yeah. like you pointed out, to Arya and to us, Ned was like a wildly exaggerated parody yeah. so I just thought that was so cool of like, you know, to think well, what we saw of the the Ned Joffrey story was already us seeing a parody of the Lannisters, you know through the Ned through Ned's perspective yeah. which is a really neat way, you know, especially with this, all the books being told in point of view chapters, and you mm-hmm. know, it would just, it was just great, you know, 
a great storytelling, I thought. I kind of had a smile I, on my face too, though, because it it was you could tell they they so were borrowing a little from Midsummer Night's Dream, which is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. But the the right. glorious thing about Midsummer Night's Dream, if you don't know, is towards the end there is a play within the play that's a really exaggerated. It's like the funniest moment of the entire thing, and it's like this really over the top exaggerated kind of thing. And this seemed to be kind of they kind of seemed to be borrowing a page from that, just like, hey, we're gonna give you this this huge exaggerated thing, and then you go backstage, and all the actors are like taking it really seriously, and like this is you know we gotta we gotta do this again, guys, and this is you know you gotta take this your lines were off, and your penis has a wart on it, and it'll go you know like all that whole thing. Um, yeah. Which by the way we got we just in case you thought Game of Thrones was done with wieners and boobs, we we got a we got a double shot, and in the span of what sixty seconds, it's like here's this and here's this, and it's like oh. No. They're, they're back. They're back. <laughs> well, let, let's not stay on uh, on on the, the tits and dicks too long. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's let's jump jump. Where do you want to jump to? Let's start with the. Now that that's out of the way, let's let's kind of start with the. I mean, the the holy shit moment. Well, there's a lot of holy shit moments. I guess there were a the, lot of holy shit moments for real. Let's let's start with the the big kind of holy shit moment as at the end. So so the episode was titled "The Door." Yeah. And usually. I can spot these things a lot sooner. Never once did it occur to me why it was titled that until the very tip of the end. I was like, oh, no. But of well, course, that I'm was just, I mean, all of that was so crazy and unrevealed, like how there was sort of a passage out from under the, you know, the tree and whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think there was any way for anyone to predict that. No, um, it was It was so wild. And it, the, I mean, immediately paid off and this is exactly what I think Game of Thrones should be doing. It paid off something they set up only like two episodes ago at the Tower of Joy yeah. when it appeared that Ned heard Bran call his name. Mm-hmm. And it and, paid off the fact that we saw young Willis once yeah. three episodes. And it's you know, it's like that's what you should be doing. We don't need to catch up with these characters thirteen, fourteen episodes later or something, you know. Let's, but 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 it did pay off in a huge way the entire character of Hodor from start to finish. Oh my god, that was you know? such a satisfying payoff. Like, and as sad as it was to see him go, it, 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 his, his, uh, his loop is complete now, you know? Yeah, his loop. what an amazing, like, having that time travel element come together, which was funny, I read uh, one viewer comment say, hey, wait, what the fuck, like, time travel's, you know, a part of this universe, and it's not that you and I had talked about, like, actual time travel, but I did. I have been pointing out, like you know, we what are the rules of Bran, you know, green seeing or heart tree seeing or whatever? Because mm-hmm. we know in the books, it's sort of like every moment is one moment. Now, where did you get the term green seeing? Because <clears throat> I've heard that three times so far since that aired. Well, that's what uh, that's what Jojen calls what he can do. He calls it like the sight or green seeing. Okay. Is that a and book thing, or is that in the episodes? He he does call it that in the episodes, but it's you know it's one of those sort of forgotten, forgotten lines from when Jojen was you know first gotcha. meets Bran. He's you know you you have the sight is kind of what he says I think, and it's you'll um, green see ya. Yeah, and it's just I don't I don't think that's I don't think they could technically do the same thing. I think uh, Jojen could see things in his dreams that he knew to be either future events that were about to happen or events from a, you know somewhere else oh, in the land that were right. going to happen. The only but, reason that Mira and Jojen met Bran is because one of right. them, didn't Jojen say, I, I dreamed about you or some something like that? Yeah. So 
I, I uh, but I don't like that's just what a lot of viewers have been calling what Brand's doing. I okay. don't think he's technically green seeing because he's part of the the weirwood trees and he's yeah. he's seeing through the the heart trees and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you and I have been talking about like how do these what are the rules of this you know of this travel because in the in the books it's clear that all moments are sort of one moment, you know, like he can go, he can look through a certain tree and see the past and the future together, and at least that's how I understood it. He hasn't so, seen the future yet, though, in the show. Let's be clear right. about that. But this was such a cool way for all of that stuff to inter, like to to just make sense in the rules of the show. And honestly, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying George R. R. Martin couldn't have done it, like in the books, in as cool a way as they did it in the show. And oh, not just because they could visually do it, but it's just because he's so in love with drawing shit out for so long. Yeah. And, I, you know, Bran's still part of the fucking tree at the end of book five. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's still sitting there with the three-eyed raven. And none, none of this, none of this happens. Like, there's none of that, the White Walkers, um, the Night King touching him and, and being able to break the spell. Which I holds. totally called, by the way. I knew that's where they were going with that in that preview. I'm like, the White King's going to see him. It's going to yep. be one of those accidental things where he goes by himself. He's going to get caught. What I didn't anticipate, and what kind of scared the hell out of me, was they show up as fast as they did. I thought, oh, they'll, you know, two more episodes, that was they'll crazy. show up. crazy. And then all of a sudden, the, the child of the force is like, they're here. I'm like, oh. or no, it was Mira. Wasn't it Mira who's like, oh, God. And you see, like, it's night and, like, the, the snow, it's frozen everywhere, and then they're all gathered around the tree. I, I was, oh, God, I just got chills. You know? So, yeah, and, I mean, like, that's another thing. Like, we got to break down all those rules, too. Um, it was probably in Joe Robinson's Vanity Fair piece that she puts out on Sunday nights where I read this. But she points out to a couple of things that, like, if I read them, I don't even remember from the books about how, um, and maybe this is in uh, uh, the, the Land of Ice and Fire, the World of Ice and Fire that you have, the big mm -hmm. coffee table book, mm -hmm. where Bran the Builder, who is this, like, ancient Stark, mm -hmm. um, he has built, like, he was one of the people instrumental in building the wall, and yep. the wall is actually magic. It's not it's just imbued, a big ass wall, but it's imbued, imbued with magic. I thought. Yes. So. You know, it's actually and, it's a physical, tangible thing, but it's the, the and children. that's what's keeping the White Walkers out of the land of men. Mm -hmm. And so it's it appears, and a lot of people I've seen you know a lot of comments about this that Bran by you know breaking those rules has done worse than just letting them into whatever that that weirwood cave he was. Mm -hmm. He's he this could actually if he runs under the wall. He could actually bring the White Walkers in to Westeros because oh, interesting. because now maybe they can now break that magic because there was also magic to that cave that was yeah, keeping them out. That's true. Um, wow. So he's apparently screwed all, all the stuff up. And then one of the other weird comments I caught was uh, someone said, "Wow, we learned that Mira like threw her dragonglass spear <clears throat> and killed one of them, but." Like we've known all along that dragon glass can kill them. I don't. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. I was like, that's, that's obsidian. That's what Sam killed the White Walker with. I was more um, surprised that she had. I didn't realize or had forgotten exactly. that she even had that. I was like, she has one of those. I guess you know. It, it never you know. It was so fast, and yeah, we, and, we we passed that reveal like three seasons ago. Right, and and I get. I think what was more confusing was I wonder if we were supposed to have understood that Sam. Gave them some dragon glass and oh, she no. made the spear about it. He did. You're totally <clears throat> right because they they encountered Sam and I. You're absolutely right. They he traded them. Yeah. Some. He's like here, take this and 
Yeah, you're, I, for, I forget about that. When they find the tunnel under the wall, yep. yeah, yep. They, they exchange that. I, so that, to me, was like, it was a weird payoff because I don't think a lot of people were, you know, it's, I mean, I, <laughs> there's tons of shit that I've forgotten or don't pay attention to, but I, I think that was like, you know, usually when they do that kind of stuff, it's in the preview to the episode. We yeah. would have seen Sam handing the dragon glass to Mira or something, you know? Well, let's... Like these, Let's uh, let's break this down though, because because there's a lot of confusion on what exactly happened, and, right. and and so so step by step, let's go through this. Okay. The White Walkers and the the Night King. By the way, this is the first time I I think the the term Night King has been used on the show. Yes. Um, yes. Ryan refers to him as the Night King. They're all there, and that Night King, by the way, that the design on that character is so freaking sinister. Like that, yeah. they knock that out of the park. Like I'm, te- I'm terrified of that. Um, and just the way it moves and the way it just, uh, and it, ha- it doesn't speak. I hope it never speaks. I yeah, that would me kind too. of ruin the effect. Um, but they show up, and the child and and, and Mira's like, and, and I think right as they're showing up, the three-eyed raven's like, Bran, we got to go, we got to go back. And I'm, it's not entirely clear why he takes him back for one final lesson. I thought he was going to kind of like transfer his his memories and stuff into Bran, and that wasn't happening. So well, like, or was it? <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened there, but some super sharp-eyed person, uh, and again, just to keep crediting her, it was probably Joe Robinson, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pointed out that there is this shot of this weirwood where we really clearly see a face, mm-hmm. and that it really looks like Max von Sydow. Oh, interesting. So it was sort of like maybe that last journey was him imprinting on that tree, you know? Okay, okay. So, hmm. I, I, yeah, but I agree with you. There was no real, there was no lesson that we were watching take place, so I guess it was just sort of a knowledge transfer. Well, but more I, importantly, he, they were there, they were in there, and they were getting attacked, and they weren't coming out of it. Like, it, it, right. you'd think that, that they'd, like, you know, they'd try to move quickly so that they could get the hell out of there, and they're just kind of hanging out in the past again, and I'm like, why are they back there? Like, it just, that was the only confusing part. I mean, it was... It was it was overshadowed by all the awesome stuff, but that was the only part where I was like, well, "What's going? Why are they back there again?" I mean, they, it's not well, like they went to a different place or they went to like you know the center of the yeah. universe. It's like we're back here at Winterfell again for some reason. There um, were so many cool little pieces of that. The first one was when I loved when Bran told Three Ed Raven, you know that the um, <clears throat> that he'd seen the Night King and he, and the Three Ed Raven I think is the one who says he he touched you, didn't he? And mm-hmm. Bran pulls his sleeve down and reveals it. And the night, the three-eyed raven does not freak out, which was yeah. so great. I, you know, that was just so uh, perfect for like the instructor and the parent of like, yes, the time has come. You know, it's Obi Wan Kenobi turning off his lightsaber yeah. and letting Darth Vader like, you know, swipe That's him into true. oblivion. It wasn't what? like you fucking idiot. You've <laughs> ruined everything. Well, what's really cool about that moment though is that Brand's like, "Am I ready?" He's like, "No." <laughs> it's yeah. just like. Oh, okay. Like it was. But it you're was not, man. Yeah, you know. Very practical. It was a very practical. But I think he was kind of saying he's like, no. But there's there. I don't think you're ever gonna be. So it's as good as it's gonna get for now, and we're just gonna roll with it. It's just, that's kind of how it felt like. Like we're. But I just I still not entirely sure. I need to go back and rewatch that scene because I'm not sure why they're at Winterfell. But when they were at Winterfell, he was rewatching a scene he's seen before in the past. That that one where it's his father and his grandfather, you know, talking, and then. You yeah. see Willis, and here's where things get really interesting because Mira's shouting at him from the present, like "Save us, Brad! Help us!" And Hodor in the presence, you know, rocking back and forth, 
And the last time that happened, Bran was able to war again to Hodor to basically help them out. Bran's not waking up, and I'm not my. Here, let me just tell you what my original thought was, and then I'll explain. And maybe, maybe you, maybe you're how you saw it is how how I see it now, or how it really is. My original thought was, as she's calling at him in the past, he looks at Willis and figures out how to warg past Willis into future Hodor, or unite them in such a way that Hodor has his 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 mind back essentially. And I was, and because when Hodor wakes up, I was really thinking, I'm like, oh my God, he's gonna like present day Hodor is gonna speak and be like, oh, I'll save you all. Like it was gonna be one of those kinds of things. Um, but then it, that turned out not to be the case. And what I guess was really happening was Bran was in the past, but simultaneously warging into Hodor. But that created kind of a weird connection to his younger self that resulted right. in what we saw. Is that how you took it? That's how I took it. That it was sort that was that moment of when when they are using the heart tree site or whatever, they are linking these times together. They're not necessarily like traveling back and forth, you know, it's just that, that those moments are all the same. And so, working is separate from that, which I think is the right. clarification. I've been calling it all working this whole time, but it isn't. Like working is a separate skill entirely from what they're doing with the the time traveling stuff. And that's yeah, and that's why I was trying to be careful about like saying like I, you know, people are calling it green seeing. I think it's important to see it as more than that because obviously this is something that Jojen could never do. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's different than the warging. Yeah, it's um, but there's one detail I want to throw in there which is when um, uh, the grandfather is talking to Ned mm -hmm. uh, to young Eddard, he mentions uh, that he will be at the Vale. And that is oh, like yeah. this tiny tiny detail that has only been brought up like I think in conversations between Catelyn and and Ned or Eddard. Oh. Which is that just like Theon, well, not just like, Theon was a ward of the Starks. He wasn't really a prisoner, you know, but it was yeah. a kind of peaceful exchange. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the um, Greyjoys won't try any shit if their heir is at Winterfell. Ned was also a ward um, of John Aaron. So that's how he met Catelyn. Oh, that's right. And okay. Catelyn was not originally intended for Ned. She mm -hmm. was uh, betrothed to his older brother who, mm -hmm. who died in a battle and he Ned was sort of the, the next most acceptable Stark, you know? Mm -hmm. But that was a really weird thing just because of that other scene that we see in this episode um, of Littlefinger talking to Sansa and mentioning the Knights of the Vale being all rallied and her sort of, you know, dismissing it. Like, I've That's got my own point. army. It was yeah. just it was just yeah. a really weird detail to put in there if they're not going to sort of like you know try if they're not showing us that those how connected those worlds are well now you know? after after this episode i'm I'm looking at everything like they know I, I have I have done the thing that I thought I would never do after loss, which is trust showrunners implicitly to have a plan and follow through on it and so now I'm like everything is connected every like i I feel after watching this episode like I did after watching the best Lost episodes or watching any episode of Carnival. Like I felt energized. I felt like, oh my god! Yeah. Like I, I woke up the next morning like just full of creativity. Like oh, I can't believe it, you know? Because it's just like they. It was really cool to see. You know, finally, my faith in this damn story really started to pay off in a major, major way, especially after last season where it was just like, oh, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, but so, so going well, back to the oh, well, number one, I think it was directed by a guy who directed some lost episodes. Is it really? I didn't even bother to look. Uh, it was certainly the most cinematic episode they have ever done. 
right? Like the yeah. shots, the editing, the music, like it it felt like a movie. It felt like this, you know, when they did the X-Files and then like at the end of the season, like, and now go to the movie theaters to see the rest of the story. It felt like that where it's like, you know, the show would have left off and we would have saw this episode in a theater. It just had that sort of sensibility to it. Yeah, um, I agree. It was, um, I don't have any faith in the, uh, in the showrunners to do the right thing. Um, <laughs> so that, but that's, that's sort of freeing me. Because yeah. when they do it the right way, I'm <clears throat> I'm much more excited. Um, but the, that's the other point of this episode is it showed you can do unexpected things that are not just unexpected tragedies, which is yes. one of the terrible things of Game of Thrones. That it you know for five years it seemed like the, they just don't get it you know. And last year when in the Sansa rape scene, it was like, you know, there was something unexpected they could have done in that scene that mm-hmm. was not the just uh, Ramsey raping her. You know, that yeah, I think yeah. that was just, it was such a cop-out of like, you know, of them saying, well, of course this is like, you know, what he would do. I, I, just, I just feel like, yeah, but there's some other interesting way to have told that story. And yeah. I get that we're still, you know, again, like we said in our preview, I don't want to relitigate that. I yeah. get that we are we are seeing the growth in Sansa and the the scars you know that it, that whole experience gave her and how that's influencing her now. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was like you know that's just not clever. Yeah. And and this episode showed like you can do really fucking clever stuff. I mean, even the Brienne and Tormund like glance. Oh, is dude. So cool. Oh my god. Like it was so it was so quick. But again, yeah. that was that was an example of every second was utilized. Exactly. You know? And we didn't need like a whole ten minute scene of those two talking. It was just that moment for five seconds in the courtyard, and it said it did everything we needed to know. Where Tormund's like, "Oh, I'm into you," and she's like, "Oh God!" Like it's just you know, it was so, it was so perfect. It's that's all we. And and, it, and I'm a little concerned because next week we get a preview for another freaking Sam and you know another Hurley and his friend scene where he uh you know Sam and what's her face or. I forget. I forget his uh, girlfriend's name. Even good lord, that's how that's how little I oh, care. Oh, Gilly, 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 Sam and Gilly. <laughs> like I'm just like we don't need. Uh, uh. Like I just I, I it's stuff like that that still gives me pause because I'm just like I we don't need that. There's so much other cool stuff that we don't need that story. I want to see Sam return brand style after being. It should be the same damn thing. He should disappear for a season, come back. You know wizened and like he knows what to do and he can be a kick-ass character at that point I like, need to see him and his dad and all that bullshit well, and again from the previews we know that's not going to happen so yeah. I will, get, get ready for disappointments next real Sunday quick, um, Jack Bender is the director of this episode this and he also directed Blood of My Blood are the only two Game of Thrones episodes he's directed he directed about 40 lost episodes though so Ooh. it makes perfect <laughs> sense that it would have a lot of the same sensibilities as Lost. So I give Jack Bender the finale. Give Jack Bender all of season. Just get let him direct every one of these things from this point on, and I will be a happy man. Yeah, um, and I, to back up on my comment of how I don't trust the showrunners, I, this was one yet another example of like when they are off the book chain. Yeah, they do the right stuff. And I just, you know, it's just sort of like, I honestly, I, there have been so many episodes this season where I've watched it and thought, am I even going to go watch seasons four and five again? Or yeah. am I going to feel like, you know what, it's seasons one, two, three, and then yep. six. <laughs> I was saying the same thing. I'm like, when I, I, I'll, give a, I'll give a little bit of props to four. There's some interesting stuff that happened there. 
Um, but I can totally skip five from now on. Yeah. Just skip right over it. Uh, and honestly, I don't think it's going to... Because it wasn't the end of four when Arya is on the boat heading to Braavos. Did I... Am I confused about that? No, that, I think that's, that's got to be right. Um, and honestly, you could, you could send her to Braavos. Like, she didn't do anything last season. So you could pick up right again. And granted, she's blind now, so you, you have that little get, you know, gap. But at the same time, who cares? Um, Some of that would actually be better and would actually fit in with that original outline of George R. R. Martin's, which was that there, was, there were going to be these, you know, like it would be a book about yeah. one period of time, and then it would jump Ooh. ahead, yeah. you know? And yeah. that would have been so great if, if, you know, if Sam just, you know, left for the Citadel last season and we didn't see him till next season, and if Arya just disappeared for a season and she came back already trained, you know, it's just... I wonder if any um, entrepreneuring or you know enterprising fans are going to do, you know, like 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 I and others have been like re-editing the Hobbit movies to be more acceptable. I wonder if somebody's <laughs> going to take on the gargantuan task of re-editing Game of Thrones, one through seven, to be, you know, to take to cut out all the bullcrap. Well, know? I mean, when I was so angry at it last year, I, you know, in my I wrote this giant article about is Game of Thrones any good, and. And I just went nuts in it, and it, it was not in any way structured. It was just me rambling Catharsis. for thousands of words. But I was I was imagining these three awesome movies they could have made out of it. You know, like yeah. what if they had just made it as a trilogy of movies? And I, you know, I definitely think that that They'd things like that could just lot, be. Though, dude. They'd have oh to yeah, so much. That's I've actually enjoyed. I mean, we get we'd probably get no Jack and Hagar. We'd get no God. I mean, originally, remember this when when. George R. R. Martin was originally approached um, for this to be a movie. It was going to be only about Jon Snow and his story. Uh, right. It was just going to be that. And this was like back in you know oh one oh two. So this you know it was he was only like two three books in at that point. Um, and I'm so glad. <laughs> actually, it, you know. Actually, he may have been four books in at that point. Oh really? Oh shoot. It took him seven years to write five. I think. Oh, I think there was Jesus. a seven year gap between them, and. Five didn't come out until 2012 or so. So. Oh, that's right. Let's jump back though. Um, Maybe I'm I mean, wrong about that. Maybe that was earlier. Maybe 2010. I don't. Well, sorry. There, I mean, it, it's one of those things where we could talk about it, but just it, it's so much. You can watch that last, that last, ho- you know, the hold the door, and just and just sit there in awe of it. Like I cried. I I teared up. I was just like, man. There's two oh, man. moments in the show where I teared up. That was one of them. Uh, I'll get to the other one in just a minute. Um, but it was just like it was so heartbreaking. And for a minute there, I thought maybe Hodor would. You'd be able to like kind of prop the door so he could run off with them, and I, I kept hoping for them. Like, oh man, come on, just you know, get it, get it, and then you can go. And then he, you realize that he's he's staying. He he can't go. Well, yeah, I, I, that's funny because I, I and other people have said that to me about just that the heartbreakingness of it. But I just thought it was such a freaking cool and clever way to loop his character together that yeah. I didn't even feel that sense of heart. I was like, that's the way you go out, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I think yeah. what gets me, you know, what, what makes it worse are those times where some character is just sort of, you know, some, some random violence happens, and you're like, well... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about this. that interesting, interesting storyline. Hodor had a more pimp ending than Stannis Baratheon, than oh, yeah. Stark, than... Oh, yeah. Like I mean, na- name like you could come up with a list of twenty characters who have died on the show, and Hodor has had a, a more boss, you know, send off than those. Guys. I can't think of anyone who had such a amazing like fulfillment of their like character's destiny than he yeah. did. It was just yeah. so so satisfying to see that. But you know, 
20 seconds earlier, a dire wolf just gets fucking brutally slaughtered. Yeah, man. Those and it's like there was not even a lingering... You know, it wasn't even like when the Umbers put Rickon's dire wolf's head on that table. I mean, it was just... Dude, he was just gone. You just see blood and fur, and it's over. The CGI of those zombies... In, you know, coming into the cave and crawling and the, like it was, I mean, it was breathtaking. Like, well, just and that, oh, that was one of those things I wanted to say. You were talking about how, like, why didn't they sort of wake up Bran and Three-Eyed Raven? You're right, as the danger approach. And I thought, I was, <clears throat> as you were saying that, I was thinking because that's how zombie movies work. You know, <laughs> you got, <laughs> yeah. they've got to be like about to touch you before you're able to run. That's yeah. And I, as much as I was sort of like, uh, I, I don't know, as much as I hate zombies. And, and sort of zombie tropes. I'm with you. I, in, that, in that moment, I was like, yeah, this is how you got to do it. You know, I'm, with like, you. I, I'm with you. It's kind of like they took the uh, the speed of World War Z zombies, you know, just the, the mindless yeah. speed. But it's, I love that there's like, you know, uh, kind of like Walking Dead where it's like, you know, you can, you can kind of get anything. You can get like a skeleton even, you know, running through there. And it's just like they kind of they kind of went wild with it. My fear, I have two, I, my fear is that Hodor is going to pop up again as a White Walker in the the final battle or something, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a, a callback to him in a sad way. I I, I fear like or I hmm. feel like. Well, that'd be think, interesting. Where do you think Bran and, and Mira are gonna go? Where can they go? I, um, oh man, I don't know. You know, uh, what did we see in the previews for next week? They're in the forest. It looks like, or they find themselves in the woods, still running for their lives. Um, does a does a man on a horse approach them? Is that what I saw? I don't remember. I I, I think there's some speculation, and and I'm I, I could be way off on this because, like you said, I've been in the middle of a move this week, and I don't exactly remember what I read or imagined or <laughs> someone else said, um, or what I saw in the previews. But um, I think there's been some speculation that we are finally going to see cold hands. Um, because I don't think we've met him in the show, and he's this former ranger that has this sort of like, he's basically a white walker, but he's kind of immune to the evil part of it. Like, he's sort of like that's a ranger. Not, that's not uh, John's uncle, is it? It's not Benjen, is it? Well, I, I think what I read this week, again, I'm way out on a limb here, so just, you know, um, uh, bear with me. I think what I read is that there's been some conjecture that, that that's how they're going to reveal it in the show is ah. that Benjen is cold hands. Okay. But in the books, again, as I, you know, fuzzily recall, uh, cold hands is the one who meets them on the other side of the wall. Like when Brandon Hodor and Mira and Jojen go under, they meet cold hands, and he's the one who leads them to mm. the tree or something. I don't I don't know. But I know when I read Joe Robinson's wrap up about the magic of the wall and the magic of some other castles that Bran the Builder built, um, that Cold Hands does in the books explain to them that he cannot travel past the wall because of mm. the, the magic in it. Okay. Um, but, you know, but she also points out, and so we should probably point out too, that Bran the Builder was also responsible for building Storm's End and Winterfell. Oh, interesting. So there may be two more castles that are immune to the White Walkers. Ooh. That have like a magic spell. I did not. I did. That you know, I, I recall it wasn't. Didn't old man <clears throat> at some point mention your uncle? Your your great ancestor Brown the Builder built Winterfell. I didn't, and that's been spoken in the show before. I think. I, I um, there's some. I know there's some callback, or I'm pretty sure there's some callback to Brand the Builder, but I don't think any of that magic shit's been explained at okay. all in the oh, show. No, that has, You're right. That has not. Um, speaking of magic shit, 
uh, holy fuck number three or five, uh, three <laughs> of ten, the children created the White Walkers. Like, and it was in the midst of everything else going on, they're like, oh, and by the way, honk, you're like, Jesus. Like, and then, I, and I don't feel like that, a lot of people are kind of mad that that wasn't given as much reverence as it should, but I'm like, what else do you need to know? Like, we'll delve into that. I'm sure there will be countless flashbacks where they can, you know, build that out, but I'm just like, holy, the, what the hell? Like, and that, that was just such a, and the way they did it too, like the, you know, these the children, especially that it was the one that had been helping them, was the one who did who actually did the deed. You know, it was that was the same. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I think in the book she's called Leaf, but I don't remember. It's um, interesting too. They redesigned her since last season. Have you noticed that? Like she's her character design is like way sharper and better now. Uh, I, I've than, noticed. I I've, I've felt that way about a couple of the the sort of magical characters that they just look a bit better this season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't I haven't really like you know. Eyeballed it up close to checked out old screenshots or something, but that's well, they just even my I remember too when we saw impression. the Night King last year. They improved him from right. his sort of cameo appearance from like season three when they they he took the baby. Yeah. And White Walker did, or you know, like he's improved too, which is cool. It just it kind of makes it a little awkward to go back and rewatch. You're like, wait a second, like it just kind of has that oddball feel. But yeah, did you? I mean, was that a huge shock for you? Oh, um, is that a satisfying just, development for you? Uh, the only thing that's uh, uh, the only thing I guess the only thing that's dissatisfying about it is, uh, you know, I don't need too much here. I get that it's fantasy, but there, Game of Thrones has generally done a really good job of sort of explaining the rules to stuff, mm-hmm. and we just don't know what the hell the rules are either to Bran's heart treeing, or what the hell the children of the forest are actually capable of because. Those like little fireball things that they have, and yeah. you know, it's just as cool as it is to watch. It's like, God, that's so weird because there's so many other explanations. To, like even you know, like the um, uh, oh man, what's the stuff that uh that Tyrion uses, you know, to set the water on fire? Like the um oh dragon uh, dragon no, it's uh, uh, yeah crap wildfire um, wildfire yeah even that it's sort of like yeah well these alchemists were working in the you know in the depths of whatever and even that i would accept but it's sort of like there's just this weird magic that the children of the forest have and yeah but here's the thing it's i don't it's, get what they're doing i don't they don't need to explain it only because it's it's so ancient that right. i feel like if they start to explain it it kind of demystifies all that mythology like the children were like i mean from thousands of years ago like long 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 time ago so it's yeah. and i like the fact that they showed you know that tree as it would have been back then when there was grass yeah. and it was you know it wasn't ice covered and everything so like the way they work I, I kind of prefer it to be just like you know with fairies and leprechauns and you know Irish myths and stuff like you don't really need to know the science behind it all otherwise it kind of demystifies it all of a sudden it makes like it just it I, I prefer it it makes it feel older if it is unexplained to me I agree with that I guess it's just that sometimes they are too easily wrapped. It's it's too much of the Deus Ex Machina, yeah. where they you know like I, I felt that way the other season when the White Walkers attacked and Leaf like threw those bombs at them and you're like wait what the fuck like she can just set them on fire yeah um, so I just felt that way again when she shoved that whatever it was into that guy's you know heart and turned him into the there uh, was White a... Walker but the actual plot of it like of them creating the White Walkers didn't really bug me um, and uh, I, yeah, say what you'll say because I want to tie that into something else. Well, there's two things. One, it's kind of just interesting that they they essentially created a, a you know a WMD that they couldn't control. Um, <laughs> but more interestingly, and this is I don't I don't know I don't think this is necessary, but there are a few theories that the man 
they were, you know, turning the first man to be turned to White Walker is somehow a Stark. Um, and I'm mm. not sure what basis there is for that theory other than it sounds cool, but keep that kind of in the back of your mind, too. I would throw that out only based on his appearance. Wasn't he a blonde? Yeah. And there's like a really, you know... That's blonde, though. Well, I mean, it's he's not... I, I'm pretty sure it's sort of like uh, he, that George R. Martin uses those... Um, you know, he's a lot of times he's telling the lineage of someone in the way they appear. Oh, sure. And so, if they're a blonde, they're they're probably a Targaryen or yeah, a um, okay. or a Lannister. And that's why there's sort of that confusion over Tyrion's uh, parentage because he has two different colored eyes, and I think that well, that's a Targaryen book. trait. Um, so that's why that theory of Tyrion being a secret Targaryen kind of sticks. Yeah. Um, but I'll. But that I think is that good. That's where I wanted to jump off to, which is, um, you and I, uh, you know, stumbled on a really widely published piece of this fan theory that I just love. Um, one of the commentators on Vox talked about this that he thinks that the show is going to reveal Daenerys to be a villain, if not the villain of the show. Okay, let's talk about this. Um, I yeah. I just want. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll let you jump into it. I just wanted to point out that that's what I think is really interesting about that twist of the children creating the White Walkers, because it's sort of like, uh, yeah. wait a second, are they the good guys? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, you teed that up ex- perfectly, and I didn't even make that connection. You're right, yeah, they're, they're, te- you know, they're saying, yeah, these children, are, they, they did some, they're not innocent, you know, they're just as corrupt as... And granted, they're like, but we did it to protect ourselves. But it's like, yeah, but look what you caused. Look at like, look at all the bullshit we've had to deal with since then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can make a great case that the children of the forest are are the, are the original. Are you know, are the OG villains of this whole thing? Um, the article <laughs> well, you mentioned. I'm, I'm thinking like maybe they're the heroes because they saw what was coming with the the Targaryen madness, and they were like, well, we gotta. We got to create some ice monsters or something. I know that's maybe. that's a huge reach. So so the article you're referring to. It goes to great lengths, and we'll post we'll post it in the show notes if you're interested. It it paints this picture that Daenerys is actually the true secret villain of the show, and it goes through you know point by point every time she rolls into somewhere she fucks shit up for the yep. worse, and like Which, it's it's uh, and she doesn't really seem remorseful about it. Like and I, I love that it 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 was like you sent this to me on Twitter, and it's like man, it perfectly fit into the conversation we had about the last episode. Um, where I was talking about how you know Daenerys keeps fucking things up, and uh, you pointed out like, well, she is the child of the Mad King, yeah. And even just you saying that like stunned me. I mean, we literally like pause on the show last week for me to look that up and go, oh yeah, you're right, because I I didn't have that in my head. I was thinking like, no, 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 she's the nephew or the niece of the yeah. Mad King. But yeah, you pointed out that she is a, the descendant. She is the female heir. Well, it was it was it King. was Rhaegar, Varys, and her. And Varys, we already know, was was mad. I mean, yeah. Varys was the um, uh, <laughs> uh, Viserys. The, Viserys, thank you. Yeah. He was the um, what the hell? He was the, he was the Joffrey of the family, right? Yeah. He was the one that got the got all the crazy, you know, got hit with the crazy stick. Uh, Rhaegar, as far as the tales go, was the you know the virtuous, you know, triumphant hero that you know was the least crazy. I'm wondering if Daenerys isn't somewhere in between. And I yeah. wonder if, you know, and this article goes into paints, you know, every time she's, and even to the point where, like, the calls, for example, the most recent example we have, 
The calls actually had, as as you know, much of a you know, as bro dicks as they were, they had a sense of order and a sense of community, and it seemed to work, and they were able to keep everything pretty much in check. She rolls in and just says no to all that, and yeah. kind of enslaved this entire group of people. <laughs> and I, like none you know, of her storyline really makes sense to me unless she is the villain. Yeah, and it's like I, she's got these she's got these nuclear weapons that she's got. Um, she's you know, she's. You could say you hate slavery, but since she's ended it, it's almost made it worse. And I think yeah. Tyrion is trying as hard as he can to kind of repair that a little bit, going, "Hey, yeah. we rushed into this. We're going to give this more time. You know, you can't have slavery here, but you get." And and I, I look at the way like Missandei and like Grey Worm, those guys are reacting to this stuff. They're they're so revolutionary that yeah. it just feels like it. And, and every you know, it's, everyone's revol you know. One man's revolution is another's tyranny. You know, it's like there's. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they play that fact out, and maybe, maybe it's such that she's the villain until the White Walkers are really the villains. Well, like maybe, and it's it's such an interesting twist because that thing that I've pointed out that I've hated all along is how much we are, the show shows her as if we're supposed to be on her side. Yeah. And what yeah. a problem I've had with that all along. He's yeah. like, no, but I'm not on her side. She keeps screwing things up. So that even, you know, to me, to people who are on her side, to everyone, it's such a perfect twist to make her the villain. That being said, I did love the scene with her and... Um, Bo- Bora. <laughs> Bora. <laughs> Bora Mormont. Bora Mormont. I mean, only in the sense that he finally got to say how he feels and God give it, God help Ian Glenn. Like, he's... Yeah. That he brings it for the acting. You know, it's like... I, and he always... I noticed in the credits... He's the uh, he's the with credit at the end, so that usually at the end oh, of any yeah, credits yeah. in a movie or a TV show, the first person and then the like the first person yeah. gets top billing, but then like kind of that that next intent is like the the with you know it's yeah, kind of yeah. like we're gonna separate you because you're special too. So he always gets that credit, but man, he deserves it. He he made me believe in him again. I'm just like ah oh, Bora. You're, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, man. And then she's, and you, you, you know, he knew he was basically going to his death. Like he's not gonna find her. Oh yeah, her. he knows that. And I think what? she knew that too, but she couldn't say goodbye. So it was a re, yeah, it was a really touching scene. Uh, other people pointed out it was good to see her actually show like an emotion that's not anger, <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever else. She, you know, starts. You know, speaking old you know, Valerian and yeah. fuck shit up and summons her dragons and stuff. As cool as that and, is. And on a selfish note, I'm pretty happy not to see him for a while. So. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And, and here's my question: the next time we see him, is he going to be like, you know, more or less taken a, by the grayscale, like Stone Man? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how, because he'll be back. You know, it's like I hope to God we don't have, you know, 25 more minutes of him finding a cure because we don't need it. Like he needs to just go off, I, and if we find yeah. him, it'll be interesting. He's he's probably got some like sacrificial play that's coming up, you know. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, let's keep going because there's so much. Oh my god, there's so much. Um, while we're yeah. still in the marine area, the marine vicinity, um, they, uh, Tyrion and and um, Varys invited. It was a weird solution too. They invited a red priestess, and apparently the red priestess of of all. Right. To the castle or to the the pyramid, I'm not entirely sh- understanding why Tyrion made that play. He's like, hey, we need credibility. She's not here. Well, but why would he lean into the the red, you know, the red religion or the? I, uh, I got I got the connection, man. 
Okay. I'd love I'd love it was know. it was one of our most hated scenes from episode one, but when they're Varys and Tyrion are just strolling through the city unaccosted by people, and they see that dumb graffiti written in English about Misa, you know, all the masters or whatever, and Misa's mm-hmm. a master. They walk by a red priest preaching, and all of these people really listening. Oh, damn. I, I know. It was like such a seed to plant that like that uh whatever the hell that religion is called is um you know that that that's the religion of that city. Raleology? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I you know what I what's funny I remember that scene. I remember the graffiti. Do not remember the red priest. Um yeah. And see, he, just makes he, me more excited that they know what they're doing. Like we're going to take this obscure little thing and make it a bigger thing. Like wow, really? Well, you know? I, I agree. I I, ho- I really hope that they, you know, that they're. Uh, I, I you know, like I, it's not that I have like like I I don't know. I I'm tempering my faith in them, of course. You're you're a fool me once kind of guy. You're you know you. It seems like you've been betrayed too much by the show, so you're just gonna well, hang back. One of, one of the things is that it's you know it's like in my in the long rant that I did last year. It's uh, it's. It's not that they don't follow through on those things. It's that those those clever seeds are planted there. It's mm-hmm. just that sometimes it'll take so long yeah. for them to follow through that it that it sucks the energy out of it. Fair so enough. that's what I've really liked about this season is they they plant a seed a seed in a boring scene like that, and it you know in five episodes later it pays off, and yeah. which is really cool. You know all the brand stuff you know that is paid off so quickly and. It, even though I, I, I'm just holding out hope that like something cool, Arya does something cool because it was it was really smart. I'm, I don't want to jump back on Bran, but it was very smart of them to keep him away for a while yeah. and jump right in. Like, hey, he's been training this whole time. We don't yeah, need to yeah. show you that. I'm like, oh great. Right, right. I was a little bit annoyed we didn't get like at least a glimpse of him last season, but honestly, I'm fine with it now. It's like if this is how they're yeah. gonna treat it, go for it. Um, so so back to the Red Priestess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I that scene. Um, the one, one of the other, the only thing I can point out about it is that reaction that Varys has to her knowing yes. about that scene, um, because there is another great fan conspiracy theory <laughs> that is <clears throat> the Meisters are responsible for the death of magic in the realm, mm-hmm. and I wonder if this like put fuel on that fire, um, because. And I'd forgotten this, but I guess when he originally tells Tyrion about the the time he was cut, that mm-hmm. he talks about how he hates magic yes, in that moment. You I know, remember that. I remember um, that. And so to me, all those you know, I was like thinking of the the Meister conspiracy, <laughs> as as you know, Varys is like lecturing the Red Priestess on on religion and stuff like that. But the, it's just sort of that scary moment of her reminding him, like, well, actually, magic does exist. It doesn't really matter how much you hate it. You know, or how much the Meisters may or may not have tried to kill it. It's it's here. You and know? Varys was really uncomfortable. Like, oh yeah. And remember, here's another little flashback. So remember back in season two when Tyrion was hand of the king, yeah. And Stannis was mounting his his attack. Varys and Tyr- Varys kind of goes to Tyrion and gives him a pep talk, going, "Hey, dude, you gotta you gotta do something here because Joffrey." doesn't know what he's... And he's out of his league. Yeah. Um, and guess what? Stannis is in league with this Red Priestess, and you don't... You have no idea the shit they're going to bring down yeah. in the name of that religion if they come here, so we got to fight them back. Like, he specifically called out the fact that Stannis was associated with the Red Religion um, as a negative. So all of yeah. a sudden, like, 
I wow. I did I do kind of want there better be another scene where Varys and Tyrion and Varys like, dude, I'm not comfortable with any of this. Like, yeah. I want to see that acknowledged a bit more. I I get it. It doesn't have to happen. You know, it would didn't. There's so much going on. I get why they didn't have time for it. But there better be a scene coming up where he's just like, hey, I. And, and, and it feels like, maybe it's just me, it feels like they're almost setting Varys up to exit. Like, he's been getting oh, man. more increasingly uncomfortable there. Like, you watch him in scenes, he doesn't say a lot anymore. He just kind of, like, Tyrion's kind of running the show, and Varys is just kind of there, which is a complete opposite from him being like, I'm a schemer, and my little birds, yeah. and I'm having so much fun. You know, now it's just like, oh, God, yeah. what have I done? Why, oh, God. You know, so it's just like, I, you know, it's kind of like... <laughs> It kind of feels like Reince Priebus in the Republican National Caucus, where it's like all of a sudden they've unleashed Donald Trump, and he's just like, "Oh no, okay." <laughs> those, what what have I to, done? Those what have been power. He's still for? has power, but he's like, "I don't know, man. This isn't what I signed up for." You know, it's just like <laughs> it feels like that. So I, I I want that paid off. If they do, I'll be just as happy. That's I do think there's some there's I it, I think it portends interesting things for Varys because. You know, he said all along, I, I like that you point that out, because he said all along that he, he, the side he is on is the side he's always been on. It's yeah. the side of the realm. Yep. You know, he's always been like the safety of the realm. And you can see that while Tyrion excels at like all the like little, you know, politicking of the city, that's super boring to Varys. Yeah. He, sure. You know, it's like, hey, if we're, if we're not playing the big picture... I'm. I, this is not interesting to me. Well, and Varys is super big picture. I mean, it's there's still oh, a yeah. theory that oh, he yeah. was largely responsible for spiriting away baby, baby uh, Daenerys and her brother back when. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever seen that expanded on in the show. You know, there was a little bit of it. You know, that's early on that you know it's, it kind of connects him to those those kids more. But there's you know he may have been the one to actually do it. Uh, well, he was definitely in. Uh, touch with the dude whose name I don't remember. He was in touch with, with. with. No, I know exactly. It's it's the guy from the thick of it. I, uh, it's, it's um. Oh God, now the I guy from it. the thick of it. <laughs> it's Peter Mannion. What the hell is his name? The actor name. Um. Oh God. But he he was in. He was the one who um introduced Khal Drogo to Daenerys. Roger Allen plays him. That's the actor. God bless Roger Allen. But he played he played this character in season one who introduces. Daenerys to Khal Drogo and kind of arranges that. And then you see him in the catacombs of King's Landing talking yeah. to Varys, and Arya overhears it. Um, also in season one. So you see those two connect. But it, it never... Maybe we'll see more about that. Maybe we won't. The other interesting thing about the whole new Red Priestess is... It, you know, you've got Melisandre who's like, no, 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 John is the prince that was promised. I know that now. This priestess is like, no, 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 Daenerys is the princess who was promised. I know that now. Are we sort of back-ending our way into the three-dragon theory? By <laughs> That's saying, exactly you know, by, what I was thinking. Because <laughs> at some point, Melisandre and this new chick are going to end up meeting or have a, some kind of confrontation. And I, I have a feeling like, you know, the solution is going to be, well, we're both right. And, hey, there's a third one, and who's that going to be? I mean, at this point, I'm still on, on team. I don't want it to be Tyrion. Um, but who else would it be if not him? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm just thankful that the show has gotten rid of all these other false uh, dragons, like, you know, the... Um, the Martell boy that was sent over there, and the the secret Targaryen that they that the that the Martells also sent, or whatever, and 
Hashtag never Tyrion. That's what I'm. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm just not. I mean, if it happens, fine. But I'm just like, I, it's not interesting to me. It's not as an interesting choice, and it kind of betrays some of his character dev. But if they make I, it work, they make it work. I, you know. It, it. Yeah, I don't like it because it seems like a real obvious twist. I guess yeah. in that sense of that he's been so built up as it. Um, you know, maybe it's Mira, the secret Jon Snow sibling. God, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I would be. I would be so down for that. <laughs> Or Arya. I'd be into Arya uh, as the, the third dragon. Maybe. I mean, maybe um, at the, they somehow pull it off. Yeah, we maybe should just do a whole podcast that's called The Third Dragon, and it's Ooh. just us. It's just the two of us naming every single person in Westeros in descending order of who would be the most interesting. As we them. should do that as a live video <laughs> podcast so we can have one of those like crazy criminology like bulletin boards with like, the pictures on it and strings, and like, <laughs> we can amazing. go through it, you know. Make um, our case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's real quick. Uh, let's. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's so get much. lightning round. Um. Well. Yeah. It's gonna I be. Know very there, long. I know there's a lot, but let's start throwing it out there. So, so San, first scene: Sansa and Baelish. Um, yeah. Great speech by Sansa. Yes, thank you. Okay, so a lot of people were throwing this under the under the bus, and I'm like, why? They're like, because it doesn't tell us anything new. I'm like, dude, it tells us everything new. It tells us definitively that Sansa has made a choice. She is not going to be like Littlefinger. She tells it to his face, and she basically says, I'm going to go about this the tried and true Stark way, with honor and loyalty and grit and you know vinegar yeah. and all piss and vinegar. Now, did that now, go so well for her father? Not really, but. Or her mother, yeah. Or her mother, not really. So maybe she'll meet the same fate. But I love the fact that she was like, because this whole time it's like, ooh, Sansa's being a schemer and a manipulator. And she's like, no, no, no. Fuck that. I, I'm done with that. I'm done with you. And this is my sort of declaration of that, of that you know? Well, t two things. Uh, there has been sort of a, a fan theory or maybe just another podcaster's theory or something about um, that maybe Sansa um, is going to play the role of Lady Stoneheart and start enacting Catelyn's Ooh. vengeance on the land. Um, and maybe that's kind of the substitution that the show is making. Oh, um, my God. So I wonder if that sort I of get excited. portends that. Mm. But secondly, do you believe that Littlefinger was actually afraid of her and Brienne with those threats, or do you think he was playing that? Fear? I think he was not traditionally afraid, but afraid that he lost his new sort of uh, protege slash future lover or whatever you know he had a he obviously had a thing oh, yeah. for her, you know well it's and just I, that catlin obsession he has yeah but he transferred that to sansa and he even says yeah. oh, just like oh, yeah. her mother but younger you know it's just like that whole he and he even he kissed her in freaking the eerie for god's sake like you know and that was a little bit to drive lies and nuts but i think he just wanted some you know it's like well, i think so did he underestimate her i mean is that do you yes. or do you believe that that is a true thing that, that i that's think what he, we were supposed I to think see he there? underestimated her more so underestimated her loyalty to or her his her need for him i think he was right. gonna i thought he would drop her off in his mind he'll drop her off with ramsey yeah he'll knock her around a little bit but she'll get over it and it'll be okay he's not that bad and i'll bring them back into the fold when i'm ready i i did think he i think he did underestimate how shitty ramsey really is i think there was a little of that um, I love her whole thing. She's like, you either did know, and you're, you either did know, and you're an idiot, or you did know, and you're my enemy. Oh, I see. Way. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I don't think he underestimated Ramsey at all. I think he knew mm -hmm. exactly what Ramsey was going to do, and maybe he thought that would break Sansa. And he, and you know, he loved I mean, her too Maybe much, that was though. the role. I he agree. That's that's much. why it's still just a. I mean, again, butterfly effect. That was such that uh, the 
you know, repercussions of the the show's choice to put her in that position, yeah, are are resounding in positive and negative ways. Because now we're sitting here, you know, guessing what we actually saw from Littlefinger, um, in, in, even you know, even in despite of the fact that we see very positive growth in Sansa. You give, you know? I mean, give Sophie Turner her acting award because she. Yeah. Every episode she's in this season, she's bringing it. Um, she really has turned around from the annoying girl in oh, the first couple man. of seasons to she's one of my, the heroes. She's she's my new favorite over Daenerys now. Like I'm like, and, and I love again going back to last week. Like she's put together this awesome kickball team of people now that I'm just like, holy crap, man! And and you look at how she delivered that speech. She's like, she she laid it out very plainly. She's like. I still feel all the shit he did to me. Oh my god! Right it was, now, it as was... I'm standing here, I'm just like, oh my. And she, I believed her. I believed everything she was saying. And I think you watch how how uh, Baelish responds to that. I think he's honestly, I think he's shocked that she, that she had to go through that. that she, he's remi- she's reminding him that this all happened to her. She's like, you told me you'd protect me, and this shit happened to me. I think he's also a little shocked that she is dealing with it as well as she is and is using it as fuel for her vendetta. You know, it's like, this is, I'm not going to let this hold me down. Like, we're going to go, like, shit's going to happen. And I think all of that kind of took him by surprise, and I think he was <clears throat> yeah. a little speechless as a result. And I think when he's like, you know, I don't, I think he was calling her bluff a little bit where he's like, do, yeah. you, want to, do you want me to, I'll, you know, I'll die right here if you want. I think he knew she would never pull that trigger. But I do think he was taken back quite a bit by that that encounter. I don't think there was yeah. a lot of there wasn't a lot of acting from his side or a lot of you know sort of make believe from his side. Well, one of the one of the payoffs that we were kind of denied in the show was that at the end of book three, at least for me, there was such a satisfying reveal that Littlefinger had orchestrated everything for the first three books. You know. Mm-hmm. He was the one that had convinced Liza to, to poison John Aaron. He had set all the events in motion that, you know, led to Ned Stark dying. And, uh, you know, he like he had manipulated Sansa into the Eerie and like all of that. And to me, it was like, holy shit, that was such a good mystery, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially because the detective, which was the role that Ned was cast in in the first book, mm-hmm. where he's going through all the old, you know, books of lineage of, of kings and queens and deducing that... Uh, you know, Joffrey and Tommen and Marcella were the children of Jamie and Cersei, and uh, like Ned was the detective, and to have him killed in the first book, mm-hmm. but have this mystery play out until the third book, was so satisfying as a reader to me, at least just to me. And yeah. Yeah. I really felt like when season three ended, and or actually I guess season four, we were kind of denied that that real gratifying like moment. Somehow it just didn't play right to me when he revealed himself, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't feel like he had orchestrated stuff. It just felt like he was yeah. responsible for some stuff. Or he so, was just, he was able to, yeah, I, I feel you, because it, it felt to me like, you know, like he was just able to really roll with the flow expertly, you know? Right. Which, Less the uh, mastermind and more just like, yeah, okay, this is the situation, here's how I'm going to deal with it for my, you know, to my right. advantage. So I do think it would be interesting in in the course of the show to have it to have it play out that like he really can't manipulate stuff and he can't ride the wave mm-hmm. the way it's you know the way the way the tide is turned it's like yeah you're you know he this may be sort of like you think things are you know Varys may be on his way out maybe Littlefinger's on his way out I mean he he's made our terrible enemy in Royce you know the Knight of the Vale that he really mm-hmm. pissed off last episode <laughs> and uh, so even though he's got the Knights of the Vale on his I side that is a really you know 
like uh, fragile piece that he's got. He's just he's relying on a you know this kid that, that doesn't really have a lot a lot of credibility to just order his own knights around. Well, um, speaking of of tides and and ships and things, let's let's yeah take yeah, a yeah. let's Harvard get oh yeah of course that was interesting. <laughs> let's take a segue <laughs> too. And this was when I told you I I teared up twice. Pike, man, man. I have. I, I was really concerned when they're like, oh, and guess what? Pike's going to be back this season. I'm like, really? Why? And, and yeah, and I was concerned as a reader because I'm like, that is still not over in the books, man. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. 500 pages of the fucking King's Moot. Yeah, and get, but, but dude, they are handling it so expertly that I just. And, and so, I, th- that whole. The Pike scene alone could have been the entire episode, and I would have been completely happy. Like everything about it was spot Damn. on, you know. It like, was, yeah. We oh. talked about like the the Jon Snow scene a couple episodes ago, uh, ago, where the pacing was so good, and like yeah. to me that was the feel of Pike. Like I get the complaint that it seemed rushed, but they delivered so much information, yes, so concisely, yes. and they still had all the big scenes. They still had his baptism, yep. you know, and uh, and uh, you know, and just. And like his madness and his plan, like it was, it was. I had to rewatch the scene. Actually, I I didn't rewatch the episode, but I did rewatch that scene. Oh, me too. Um, the first thing. And I there was a, a point where, you just watch on Yara's face as she realizes she's lost the king's moot because yep. he has a strategy. Yep. For winning the kingdom, and she does not. Like she and, just had. Yeah. Yeah, and it and was well, such and, like the look on her face. I was like, oh my god, that it was, was such really a roller well coaster of emotion. Because <clears throat> okay, so she so let's recap. She gets up there and she starts, you know, she starts giving her power speech, and I'm like, I'm on board. I'm Team Yara all the, all the way. Like I want her to be yeah. the queen of the whole the whole the whole thing. Um, so she's up there, she's doing her thing, and then. Um, well, I forget. I think it's just some random lord is just like, yeah, but guess what? Theon's back, and he's the firstborn. Yeah. And Alfie Allen goes and delivers what might be yeah. the best performance of the season so far. That dude is the MVP. He's the secret MVP actor of this entire oh season. Oh my god! Yeah, he's every good. time Alfie Allen's on, I, I want to write a movie that I can cast him in just so I can sit there and just marvel because that dude is he. They give him so much, and he delivers every time. But guess what? He had to do this this episode. He's he's recognized as Theon. The first time that's probably yeah, happened yeah. since he's been back and since he's you know he's been reek. He is yeah. like conditioned to be reek. So all of a sudden a, you know, a lord from Pike is like, hey, you're Theon, you're you're Balon Greyjoy's firstborn. You should be king. So all of a sudden that hits him like, oh fuck, that they still are calling me this. Like yeah, so yeah. and then he kind of slowly walks up and he's gonna give a speech. The last time he gave a speech, it didn't go very well for him. And yeah. so, like, he's probably in his mind going, oh, shit, the last time I tried to do this, I got knocked out and, and turned into Reek. You know, like, I know, that was such a, like, crazy moment. He gives this really triumphant speech in, yeah. like, season two or whatever, or three, and then just his, one of his own men knocks him in the side of the head. So he's got that. He's still, he still has that rolling through his brain. And then he's got the fact that, like, he's got to say something to, like, to get these guys excited about his sister. And then you look at Yara, and Yara's just like, oh, shit, he's going to yeah, betray yeah. me, isn't he? Like, and you, we know he's not, but she doesn't know that. And, you know, yeah. especially because, like, the Lord's are like, well, he should be king. So you see Yara, and then you see Theon start to deliver this, this monologue about how badass she is. And yeah. I started tearing up. And I'm t- almost tearing up now talking about it. Like, <laughs> it was so so sincere like there wasn't a, a shred of like I'm just doing this cuz it's like no man he's like you could every 
it was so sh- it wasn't even that long, but like every word he said was just steeped in like I've been through shit and oh, she yeah. tried to save me and man she's been here this whole time and she's Ironborn like we should she's yeah. a badass come on you guys and he gets everybody on her side yeah. and they're like yara yara and then Euron comes rolling in like hey guys I'm Euron and I was kind of expecting having not read the books I didn't know how they were gonna play this out I was well, kind no, of none of this ever gets played out oh okay so we haven't gotten this. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, so, so it's like I was expecting him to kind of dodge the whole like, yeah, yeah. Why, why did Balon? You know, and I love the fact that Yara was like, yeah, I think you killed him. He's like, yeah, well, I did. And I was just like, oh yeah. God, we're jumping into that. Like it, it got to that point that quickly. And what was really interesting about that, and again, after that, that amazing crescendo of emotion where it's like, Yara, Yara. He's like, yeah, she's, she's cool. But guess what? I actually have a plan. Yeah. And my plant's pretty damn solid, so yeah. And then you see the crowd, who was you know, all fine with Yara, go, well, yeah, you're right. So you're on, you're on. So it wasn't yeah. like Yara was bad. It's just like, my plan's better. And I'm just like, damn it. Oh, yeah. Um, it, was, it was such a cool microcosm of the Game of Thrones yes. as it's played oh, in yes. uh, Pike. And what is such a um, like, loser to me of a storyline in the books is like how long that freaking storyline just drags out, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just super boring. And so, I, I you know, again, I don't, like, I don't mind it. Like, it's, I can see that maybe there are parts of it where you're like, that's a cliche or whatever, but I just thought that the the pacing of it and, like, the, the way the emotional points were hit oh. really sold it to me. The, the reason I rewound it is because right after that speech, it cuts to, like, all their boots running through that cave towards the mm-hmm. ships, mm-hmm. and that was the part I was like, "What did I miss? Why, like, how did this? How did the party get broken up? Like, did I look oh, away I for a second? You know?" And uh, I knew so, I. Um, but when I, you know, in the course of rewatching that, I I just rewound too far and ended up watching the whole speech again. But that, uh, you know, where are? What the hell are Thea and Yar doing? What they're getting think? the hell. Well, they're getting the hell out of it. They know that they're like, oh shit. Well, because <sighs> why steal the best ships? So, th- so they can get out of there quicker. I'm guessing and deny him sort of that strategic advantage. They know they're they're gonna get killed by by Euron. He even says he's like, let's go kill them. You know, it's like yeah. You know, he said murder them. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it. You've seen it in other parts of the show where it's like, if there are any blood ties to the throne that aren't your direct heir, get them get them out of the way. Like, yep. and it's like you got these hard. These hard asses, you know, uh, of the sea, and it's well, like that's how they roll. So it's just like, well, yeah, I guess. Um, I, so I agree, and I'm I'm asking those obvious questions because I think I, I just I'm just wondering to myself, like, where are we are we supposed to believe that like they suddenly developed a new plan and they've got a greater strategy that they're going to uh, go execute? Because if they're really just trying to get out of his way, it they're, seems they're weird that just. Lives. There's no plan right now. There's just like get the hell out of dodge yeah. and we'll make it up later. Because I don't know where. But my, so that's my question. Where can they go? Right. Um, right. Right. And I guess that's that's what I'm driving at. Is like I do they have a strategy? Or are we supposed to just assume they do? Or you know, or or maybe this is just something that gets revealed later. Like they're out on the open sea. Like, well, where do we go now? Well, if it was <laughs> me, if it was me, and I was I was Yara, I would go to Marine. And basically enact Euron's plan before I he can get there. I kind of think that that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's sort of what, what I read into it. So, um, yeah. So in the show, has there been any? Oh yeah, yeah, there is. There is a mention of uh, 
of Euron cutting all the tongues out of his men because he, he wanted silence. Hey, real, real quick, though. Is Euron and Victarion's story getting merged into one guy? Uh, I don't even remember. For those uh, who don't know, uh, Victarion is another Greyjoy brother who I don't think has appeared in the show yet. If I, I'm sorry that I'm not in front of a laptop, but I, I want to say that it is. Because it feels like everything I've read about them in wikis and stuff, it, it seems like they're kind of consolidating both of those into just Euron, which I'm happy with. I mean, who, who needs a I, yeah, yeah. running around? I, I think that... Oh, man, I, I'm going to be so wrong about this, but I think that in the books, Victarion may be the one that goes to pursue Daenerys. I'm not sure. I think we looked that up several episodes ago, and yeah. I was proven wrong. I yeah, think it is yeah. Euron. But in my mind, it's always that Euron was the crazy one and Victarion was the more... Um, skilled one, <clears throat> and I think I think in the books too, Victorian's the one who arrives very late to the king's moot. Oh, okay. And he's sort of like the one that throws the balance off of who will be king. Gotcha. Um, uh, so I, I I I don't know if there's like a later reveal that they're gonna do. Like maybe I maybe Victorian not. shows up. And I know I know. Don't complicate this. Just <laughs> this is beautiful. It's streamlined. It's perfect. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. Oh yeah. god, it was so. And I'm so like. <clears throat> I want Yara to be queen so bad. And I, I love it, too, because they're like, we've never had a queen before. She's like, there's a lot of things we haven't done before. And, uh, you know. We've never won a war before. <laughs> I'm just like, man, she's so, ah. Oh. And I love it, too, because it's kind of, in a weird way, it echoes back to what Balon told Theon when he first showed back up on Pike in, what, season two? Yep. And he's like, yeah, guess what? Your sister's been here. Like, you're Oh, yeah, here. yeah, exactly. And Theon, because Theon was all, and, and think about total reversals, like, where Theon is now is 180 degrees away from where he was when he strolled in, you know, in season two. He's like, I'm the Prince of Pike. It's like, now yeah. he's like, I'm, I am just here to support her, and yeah. I want this to work out for everybody. So, you know, it's just like, it's, uh, you know, she, they played it so well. I don't, uh, there's so many more things. Um, real quick, though, uh, did, did you notice how similar Euron and Theon, just the actors look? They look like they could be brothers. Um, yeah, I, it's funny because when Euron showed up in the episode where he murdered Balon, um, I was like, this guy just does not match my picture of him. And yeah. then I did when they, when they, you know, Theon got a haircut, <laughs> and I, yeah, and I, I noticed that. Like I, I realized like, oh yeah, they look like brothers. When he comes was, rolling in, I'm just like, oh my god, they look just alike. Like that. I mean, yeah. for familial casting, it was spot damn on. Yeah, um, and I think Yara looks like her father. Yes, you're right. Like there was that yep. last scene of the two of them together and yep. there was this look that she when she turns around and looks at him and I was like, "Holy shit, they have like, you know, styled her to yeah. be her father, you know?" Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I if there were more points you wanted to hit. <laughs> no, uh, man, I think that's I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think we hit, we covered the outline. Um, we we've both gone agree. longer than the episode itself now, so there's that's always a good sign. Well, and you know what? Uh, one, one thing I was going to say at the top of the of our podcast was uh, when you were mentioning like best episode, blah blah blah. I was, I'd really like to go back and see what most like re, 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 remind myself of what the episode five looks like because we've talked about how there's generally a Ned's head moment in episode nine, um, you know, and I wonder, I wonder if there's, you know, I I just don't recall like has there been like one of those middle mid-season moments where you're like, "Oh my god, the roller coaster just went down the, you know, hill." Like that's what it felt quick. like. I'm going to look yeah. I'm, not, I'm ignoring season 5 because who cares. Um, <laughs> season 1, 
Well, I'm one. pretty sure that Sansa gets raped in see, in episode six of last yeah, year. Of so I do think that that was the mid-season like freak out. You know, Is that unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Yep. Yep. That's six. That's six. All right. Yeah. Because um, I yeah because I didn't watch the last four episodes, so seven, eight, nine, ten. So, so yeah. season four, it was the laws of gods and men, which is the Tyrion trial, and then first of his name is. Uh, First of his Joff- name is episode five, where uh, Joffrey, Joffrey dies, or Tommen is crowned. No, Joffrey's already dead. Tommen's been crowned king. Oh, okay, right. Beyond the wall, John tries to enter the. Yeah, so there's that. So maybe um, there's see- not a maybe. Maybe we can't draw like a big line of big dramatic scenes, but definitely there's always a mid-season kind of. Yeah. You know, holy shit moment, and I'm glad we got it this week. That was cool. Yeah, absolutely. And just again, it was so balanced. It's every, the, the it's gonna be hard thing. to top this thing, man. Next week, we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, I'm, every time I see Sam and Gilly in a preview, I'm like, oh no. Yeah, see. and you're gonna get your, um, you know, we're gonna see the hopefully see the outcome of your prediction about the Tyrell army. Yeah, well, <laughs> so. I was right about the, the the Night King and Bran, so. Yeah. I was kind of like, yeah! I just I didn't realize it would be that damn fast. I was like, wow. Man. You're already here. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, I was, which is great because it knocked me off guard. So I was just kind of, it, it put me in the same mindset of them. Like, what, what yeah. do we do? Where do we, I, we're not ready yet. Like, I was, you know, which is a <laughs> brilliant. Well, that's cool. Let's, uh, let's put a pin in this one and get it yeah. out as soon as possible. Absolutely. If you're listening, look at the show notes for anything we've got, uh, and we'll be back with you guys next week. Yep, this has been Wednesday in Westeros.